Brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan. We are on episode 16 in the podcast. So today, I think, will be somewhat therapeutic for myself. (laughs) And uh, I'm doing this not just for myself, but for a lot of people around me, a lot of the people that I have spoken with, and I think that it's probably a good a good sampling of the LDS community, those of us who are awake and paying attention. There are some who are sleeping. Um, There will be a rude awakening coming very soon. There is a lot of stuff that if you are paying attention, if you are looking around, you can see some gears moving. And those gears that are moving are not good things. They are, it goes just beyond food shortages. It goes, you know, it goes beyond a lot of that type of thing. Power outages, you know, things that we have never had to deal with in our lifetime. It's funny because as I say that, it's like, I I don't remember a time in my life, in my almost 37 years, and my dad, I'm sure, my, my, my you know, my grandfather even, um, God rest his soul, you know, I, I don't think that, I think you'd have to go back a ways, a few generations before you could find someone that, that could say that they remembered a time of not having enough, you know, Enough of everything, really. It's uh, it's interesting because, you know, we've had plenty for so long. And we have, we've been able to feed ourselves. We've been, I mean, we've had the Great Depression and stuff like that. But we have, you know, we've been able to feed ourselves for the most part. We've been able to have enough, enough of everything to go around. And while we have had, we've had world wars, we've had these great shakings, right? As a people, as a church, we haven't been tested for a very long time. And I've said this before. I think that test is upon us, brothers and sisters, and those of us who are paying attention, like I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of you shaking your heads, yes. Yeah, you know. We we who are, you know, paying attention to the news, we're looking at this stuff, we're searching prophecy. We, we know that Gaddy Anton has a strong hold right now, right? We know that interesting things are are happening very unconstitutional uh wicked interesting things and there is you know if there if there was ever a time when the constitution is hanging by a thread it isn't right now it really is like i i know that that, that we have some ways to go And that is definitely 
You know, it's it's kind of scary. Let's let's be honest. It's kind of scary. As I've said before, I am a a veteran of the military. I I'm very proud of my service, you know what I mean? I I never actually even went overseas, but you know, just I think that anybody who signs on that line and who belongs to Uncle Sam for a while and who who stands ready to do what is asked of them, I have a lot of respect for. You know, there there's an oath that you take. You raise your arm to the square and you, you take an oath when you sign up. And I hope that the younger generation who has signed up since then, that they remember that oath and that that oath continues on. There is a really good um, talk by President Howard W. Hunter and I even uh, I, I put it up as a midweek spiritual boost. You know, that's the I, I try to put one of those up every single week. Those are really where the bread and butter is. Like it's great if you want to listen to me, but the brethren are the you know those are the heavy hitters. Those are the the spiritual Babe Ruths, if you will. You know, that's where you know I, I hope you guys are, are paying attention to those. And that you take a couple minutes and and give some ear to the to the brethren of the past as well as the as the present and hear the counsel that they give. But his talk was entitled "God Will Have a Tried People." As we enter now into what I I, I guess I think of as a Zion's camp moment for us. You know, it's it's if there's any athletes in the audience, or if there's anyone who has, you know, who's who's gotten up in front of people, whether it be like in choir or um, like in a, a recital or or something like that. Like it, my my worldview comes from an athletic perspective, right? So that's what I'm going to liken it to. But you can you can really put anything in place of this where. You get butterflies, right? Like before a wrestling match, before a football game, I would always get, you know, I would never, you know, be betray these feelings or portray these feelings to anybody, especially the opposition, but I would always have, I'd be nervous and I'd have these butterflies, you know, and you, you think about your preparation, you think about the, the weight training that you did, you think about the conditioning you know, for, for all those 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 hours and days that you spent, the weeks that you've spent trying to get yourself into shape and trying to prepare for, for these moments where you go out there for for a period of time and you have to you have to then uh perform, right? You have to athletically perform. And it's it, it feels very similar to that right now. Like I feel this this sense of having these butterflies. I feel this sense of you know it's game time. 
It's game time. This this is gut check time. And you know, going back to my military uh, days, you'd have to take a PT test, right? A physical fitness test, basically, where you do push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run. Because I was an army boy, right? The Marine Corps did a longer run, and uh, I feel bad for them for that. But I know that that was a, a sense of pride for them, and so I. I, I, I give a good hearty salute to those devil dogs out there. But, you, you know, I, I remember, I remember back in basic training towards the end, when you're going to have your final PT test, and this was it, you know what I mean? This was it. You had to pass this one. And you know, in order to continue on. And I remember this, this, uh, this guy coming up and we had like three days or two or three days before the PT test. Now I, I, you know, I was lucky enough, like I say, I come from an athletic background, so it really was no big thing. It wasn't a huge deal. It was basically felt like a three month long wrestling practice. And, uh, I wasn't worried about passing the push-up, sit-ups, or two-mile run because I had developed that, you know, from from a very young age, from second grade on. I had been doing stuff like that, you know. But um, there was there was this guy that came up and he said, "Do you guys have any advice? Like, what what should I do to to be able to, you know, what can I do in these next three days?" And and you know. I was sitting there with another uh, another guy who had a wrestling background. Um, he was one of my my first friends there. His name was Carl, and he was a uh, a black dude from Georgia. Just awesome guy, awesome guy. We were two young kids there. I was seventeen. I think he was eighteen. And it was one of those things where it was like you know the advice we could give you is try to get as much rest as you can because the the preparation, the time for preparation is done. It's you. You can't. You can't do any push-ups now that are going to help you do more push-ups. You can't do any running now that's going to help you run more. That'll probably actually hurt you. Right now, it's it's all about the what you got with you is what you're going to have to to work with, basically. You know, and and. I felt bad telling him that, but that was just kind of the facts, you know what I'm saying? And so as we as we are going into the podcast here, now that I've rambled on for 10 minutes, I wanted to give a sense of hope. Because I think that it's easy to let the adversary overwhelm right now. Because... We're in a scary time. This is a generational thing where we are being called upon to stand as a witness of God in this time. We are being called upon to to test our mettle. And it has been a while, like I say, it's been a long time since we as a people have been tried and tested, and, and our Zion's camp is upon us. It's, it's here. 
and the preparation that we have had so far is what we got to, to work with. And I'm talking temporally as well as well as spiritually. Now, do I think that we might have a month or two before things really get crazy? Maybe, yeah, I think so. I think we have a teeny tiny bit of time left, you know. And I, I, I'm not trying to stress anybody out here, but this, I mean, this is, if you haven't been preparing, you know what I'm saying, then I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you with sympathy, the same sympathy that I looked at that other private, you know, back in basic training with, where it's like, you know, what you got is what you got. Sure, you got a little bit of time here to work with, um, but these are hard times and money is tight right now for everybody as prices and inflation and stuff has gone up. And the brethren have counseled us for years and years and years to be prepared. And, you know, hopefully we've, we've taken that advice. But if you haven't, you still have a little bit of time. And I would implore you to do what you can with the time that you got. And, again... Not a sense of dread, not trying to, to be discouraging here, but on the contrary, I want to portray hope. And so I've, I've titled this, uh, this podcast, Shields High. Now, what do I mean when I say Shields High, right? Picture in your mind's eye, if you will, a you know, you can think upon the, the Roman legion if you want. You know, they were kind of the, the ones who were the most known for using this tactic. But it was used really throughout history. There was always really somebody, some group of people using this. The Romans called it a, a testudo, right? Uh, the testudo formation. It is basically, it's just a shield wall. Okay. So in the testudo formation, the men would align their shields to form a packed formation covered with shields on the front and the top. The first row of men, possibly excluding the men on the flanks, would hold their shields from about the height of their shins to their eyes so as to cover the formation's front. The shields would be held in such a way that they presented a shield wall to all sides. The men in the back ranks would place their shields over their heads to protect the formation from above, balancing the shields on their helmets, overlapping them. If necessary, the legionnaires on the sides and rear of the formation could stand sideways or backwards with shields held as the front rows so as to protect the formation's sides and rear. This reduced the speed and mobility of the formation, but offered consistent defensive strength against opposing infantry and excellent protection against arrows and other missile attacks. Now, why, do I, why, why am I bringing this up? It's like, cool, that's great, you know. In, you know, a, uh, an aging old military guy, you know, 
the service member from back in the day bringing up something from the Roman times, right? Cool. What about it? I think that the time, brothers and sisters, for us right now is the time where we need to form the testudo formation as as saints. And, you know, I, I'm a part of a group... Um, it's it's with uh with with Micah and the two uh, used to call themselves the two LDS archives now it's just the two. Please check it out on YouTube. Awesome stuff. Um, there's a there's a group of us in there, and I I don't do a ton of talking in there. I do a lot of observing, right? I kind of I I'm just one of those guys. I'm a I'm an observer. And that was just funny coming from a guy who talks for an hour, hour and a half sometimes on a podcast, but I I take a lot of stuff in and I've been doing a lot of uh, preparing, you know, been a lot of, just as much as I can. And I'm preparing as if it depends on me knowing that I am not enough and my preparations are not enough. But if I do my part, I can expect uh, miracles from the Lord. And I, I don't say that in a prideful, uh, disrespectful manner. Uh, quite on the contrary, I, I say that with humility in my heart. Simply knowing that I, I as, a, as a, a saint, as a follower of, of the Master, right, of Jesus Christ, that I have to do my part if I, if I want to feel, you know, that I can ask for the Lord for a miracle. There is great, um, how do you say it? There is, there is a certain level of confidence that comes from doing your part. And there's a certain faith-promoting, faith-building confidence that that comes when when you have done your part that when you pray on both knees and you are humbly asking and seeking for the lord to step into your reality and help knowing that you've done everything that you can and knowing that the lord has the power and that he wants to step in and help you it really does give you the faith to be able to to ask. Now, we'll never be worthy for the Lord's help. We will never be worthy. But I think it's an excellent microcosm of the human condition. Because we of ourselves are saved by grace after all that we can do. Right? There's nothing, like it's just like King Benjamin says, are we not all beggars? right? None of us are worthy of the Lord's uh, atonement. And there's nothing that we can do of ourselves to be able to make it back into the presence of the Father. It takes having a Messiah, right? An anointed one. It takes having the great Jehovah stepping down, you know, condescending into our reality and 
taking up a mortal tabernacle and being the great and final sacrifice, right? And then we are his. We as fallen man through the atonement can then return to the presence of the Father, not because of anything we have done, but because though in our sinful nature, if we obey the commandments that the Lord has given us, if we if we fulfill our end of the bargain, then He will make up the difference. And that's the situation that we're in right now, temporally. You know, there's only so much that each one of us can do. But if we do everything that we can do, then we can expect miracles and we can have hope and we can have faith. And it is with faith uh, that I think that we, you know, that I would call upon myself as well as anybody listening to pick up your shield and to form up, you know, form that shield wall. Now, something that may be glossed over with this analogy that I'm using here is that you're picturing yourself and you're holding up your shield. But in order to form a shield wall, you have to have others there with you, don't you? Okay, in the military we called it a battle buddy. You've got to have a battle buddy on your left and on your right. Right? You've got to have people there that you're working with. You've got to be one. You know, back, back in my day they called it an army of one. Okay, there's that oneness. It's a very, it's a very biblical uh, principle. And this is why I think it's so important and why I have been raising my voice in support of the Lord's foundation. That's why we have the importance of, of the foundation and the keys. Those are the first two episodes I ever did. You know, where, where I stress the importance of Second of Thessalonians and the Lord calling his his mouthpiece and his apostles as his foundation with himself being the chief cornerstone. We have to be one. And we can't do this by ourselves. And that's something that I have had to come to terms with lately, is it's as I prepare, now I'm thinking to myself that this is so beyond any one man or woman we have to have each other. We really do have to have each other. We have to back each other up, and we have to form that shield wall. We have to be one. And, you know, it's funny enough, the Lord has commanded us to be one, even as Him and the Father are one. You know, it's... It's interesting because as we as we gear up, as we gird up our loins and fresh courage take, right? Like I say, there's a lot of us who are feeling the pinch. We're feeling we're feeling worried and stuff like that, and we're we're getting those butterflies. Um, but this this is this is the time. When we, 
rally around our Captain Moroni, and that's President Nelson right now. And that is when we need to realize that, you know, just like I, I believe it was it was Elijah that pointed out to, to his uh, younger servant that there are more with us than there are of them, right? Because we battle not against flesh and blood, right? That's what we're seeing right now, but there is a lot of demonic influence. There's a lot of satanic stuff going on right now that is, is against us. And it's all the war in heaven. It goes back to the war in heaven. It's all about control. It's all about forcing, right? Kind of reminds you of a lot of the uh, the things that you've been hearing probably around, you know, I know this is a worldwide audience, and here in the States we have heard uh, the whole build back better. We've heard the whole, you know, the great reset and stuff like that. And I'm I'm sure that you've heard it in Australia. I'm sure you've heard it wherever you are you've heard this belgium you know it's it's sad because it's i believe that we are seeing the beast system come about i you know and don't quote me on that like i'm i'm not i'm not a prophet i'm not anything like that you know I just want you to be aware of the times that we're in, you know. I think that just like President Nelson has said, you know, we are going to witness live what Nephi saw in vision. Now think about what that means. What did Nephi see? Go read it. It's incredible. It's a precursor to the book of Revelations. Think about all that stuff that happens. Like we... That, that's a very bold statement. That's a very prophetic statement. You know, and I know that that gives us butterflies and stuff, but at the same time, raise your shield high. You know what I'm saying? Dig in. Dig in, raise your shield high. There's a, uh, a, little, a little excerpt here from... It's from 1955 General Conference Address from uh, President Boyd K. Packer. And he entitled it The Shield of Faith. Uh, April 1955. Just in case you guys want to look that up. I'm going to read a little portion of this here. The Lord revealed why he gave some apostles and some prophets. It is... For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. He was quoting Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 there. The ministry of the apostles, the presidency and the twelve, therefore, is to bring us to a unity of the faith. As it has been since the beginning, the adversary, Satan, would divide us, break us up, and if he can, destroy us. But the Lord said, Lift up your hearts and rejoice, and take upon you my whole armor, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, taking the shield of faith, 
wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That shield of faith is not produced in a factory, but at home. The ultimate purpose of all we teach is to unite parents and children in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are happy at home, sealed in an eternal marriage, linked to their generations, and assured of exaltation in the presence of our Heavenly Father. The plan designed by the Father is that man and woman, husband and wife, working together, fit each child individually with a shield of faith made to buckle on so firmly that it can neither be pulled off nor penetrated by those fiery darts. In the church, we can teach about the materials from which a shield of faith is made. Reverence, courage, chastity, repentance, forgiveness, compassion. In church, we can learn how to assemble and fit them together. But the actual making of and fitting on of the shield of faith belongs in the family circle. Brothers and sisters, that is incredibly prophetic and incredibly powerful. And when we think of that testudo formation of the shield wall, it's our families. At the base level, it's our families that we are forming that shield wall with. And you can see why there is such a focus to attack the family. Because if you can break that shield wall, and if any of you have ever done any historical reading, uh, reading into into like Julius Caesar when he was a uh, general and his military uh, exploits and stuff like that, if or, or anybody really. But when you go back to specifically the shield wall and how the tactic, you know, especially against those Germanic tribes uh, who were, you know, those guys were a lot bigger. They were a lot bigger than the average Roman was. And so they had to be disciplined. They had to be... I mean, you want to talk about military bearing. These guys had it, you know. If you can break through that shield wall, then it kind of just collapses into chaos, right? And it's every man for himself at that point. You're now fighting every man for himself instead of a cohesive military unit. And you can see they portray this in, in Hollywood a lot, but which, you know, take with a grain of salt. But you can see a lot that, you know, just as the Spartans of old, before the Romans, you know, the, those Greeks, as they held up those big shields, and you have all that protective area. And when you do that shield wall, you know, you, you've got spears sticking out. And you can, you can do some damage as you, are, as you are fighting as a cohesive unit. As you are moving, you know, as a cohesive unit, as you're attacking and defending. It's hard to deal with something like that. That is a force to be reckoned with. 
And you can see that the attack on the family and the eroding of the family, of the values and stuff like that, you can see why that's such a focus and why they have to do that if they want to have any hope of success. Because for a long time, you know, the world and, and the church, there wasn't that big of a divide between them. At one time, it almost you could almost say that it was just it was really just theology. You know, there were still some very very common belief systems that that bound us. We were much more alike than we were different. That's that's not the case anymore. Obviously, you know, it's nowadays it's pretty much gone to like like Babylon, like Baal worship type thing. But. You can see why they need to attack the family if they have any hope of success, and unfortunately they have, and our church has not been immune to that. Um, now, I, I, I mentioned our Captain Moroni, which is President Nelson, and I think that we need to view him as such. We need to view our prophet as such, because it's very easy to lose hope and to give in to fear, right? Just like Yoda says, right? Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to the dark side, right? <laughs> you know, it's very easy to despair when we look at the, the odds that are stacked against us right now. And it's very easy for us to allow ourselves to quake in our boots, right? And it reminds me of the Nephites, who, under the, the leadership of Captain Moroni, they were experiencing that same thing. They were looking at these just droves, these, these armies that were just armies and armies, so many people's worth you know, of, of these Lamanites that were coming against them. But the Nephites had something going for them. And that something was that they were defending, right? They were not going into Lamanite territory to conquer. They were defending their homes, their wives, their children. Think about the title of liberty, right? And they had prepared in such a way that they had cast up all these mounds of earth. They had put on their breastplates, right? They, they, they put on their armor of God, literally, as well as metaphorically, right? It's like Ephesians chapter 6 talks about, put on the whole armor of God. And they were prepared in such a way that when these insurmountable odds came against them, when, when the, the armies of the Lamanites that outnumbered them by ridiculous odds came against them, they had a moment where they were freaking out, when they were like, oh my gosh, if there's a time to run, it's got to be now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then you've got men like Captain Moroni who are like, guys, stand firm. Shields high, right? Shields high. And it is in that vein that I think that we need to turn our attention to our personal worthiness, to our personal spiritual preparation, 
obviously your temple preparation or excuse me temporal preparation as well but we're at the point now when there's only so much you can do about that and it's really spiritual preparation this is where the rubber meets the road president nelson uh back in the day when he was an apostle he gave a talk called uh, Face the Future with Faith, and I pulled out a couple little excerpts from that. But this is, this is faith-promoting stuff. Uh, the first one, church members who live in this time of turmoil, where earthquakes and tsunamis wreak devastation, governments collapse, economic stresses are severe, the family is under attack, and divorce rates are rising, can combat their fears by strengthening their faith. We do not need to let our fears displace our faith. All that the future holds in store for each sacred child of God will be shaped by his or her parents, family, friends, and teachers. Thus, our faith now becomes part of our posterity's faith later. He could have given this this advice last week, couldn't he? Holy cow, that's incredible. Let your faith be focused on our loving Heavenly Father and His beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach that faith with deep conviction. Then he goes on to give us, he lists three kinds of faith to teach. Teach a faith to keep all the commandments, knowing they are given to bless His children and bring them joy. To prepare to meet God, one keeps all of his commandments. It takes faith to obey them, and keeping his commandments will strengthen that faith. Obedience allows God's blessings to flow without constraint. He will bless his obedient children with freedom from bondage and misery. Now think about that. That last one that I read, obedience allows God's blessings to flow without constraint. He will bless his obedient children with freedom from bondage and misery. Brothers and sisters, there, there are chains dangling in front of our faces right now. Some would argue that we're already in these chains and that we have been for some time. Um... Whatever your your thinking is on that, I don't think anybody would argue that there are evil forces here who want us in bondage, just as the Lamanites sought to put the Nephites in bondage. What he's giving us, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is an antidote to all of that. It's a, a serum to protect us from this stuff, even bondage. And even if we find ourselves for a time in bondage, under the boot, all we have to do is turn our, our hearts back to the God of this land and we will be delivered. Now, maybe he'll take a minute, like he did with Alma's people, right? And, and a couple of those other groups. Might take him a second, because he wants to teach us something. 
but he will deliver us. Okay, think of the children of Israel. In bondage to the Egyptians. Okay, sometimes it takes a minute. But he will deliver us. And I think that as our, not just our pioneer ancestors, but as our founding fathers, as those revolutionary war ancestors, as those ancestors who were pilgrims, right? As, as they sought for religious freedom, and as they came, you know, in, in, in a lot of our cases, the majority of this audience were in the United States. But you can apply this to yourselves as well, where regardless of where you are, your predecessors wanted to have a better life and to, in, in many, many cases, especially back in the day, they wanted to better serve God. They wanted to better follow the commandments. And those righteous desires is what led to the development of the United States as it exists. That was the fertile ground upon which the restoration of the gospel could happen. And all the problems that we have today would be turned to, the Lord would heal this land. He really would. And through us, we could bless the lives of many countries and set a good example if we would but turn back to the God of this land as a people. Now I say that as a country. And what I think that we have going for us is that there is still enough of us who are looking to Christ for deliverance. Because that's all it would take, is us turning back to him and this land would be healed of all these infirmities that we have. But I think that, like I said earlier, I think that we're in the Zion's camp portion where we are going to be tried. When our metal is going to be tested, uh, we're going to go through the refiner's fire for a little bit. And from that group of people, that will be a group of people, those that, that are able to endure. That's the group of people that will be ready to redeem Zion. And if you are wondering what I'm talking about there, go check out uh, Micah's videos on that in the, the, the two LDS archives. Go check out the videos that he has talking about redeeming Zion. It's exciting stuff. It is, it's a scary time, I know. But it's an exciting time to be alive, guys. And the stuff that we are gonna that we're gonna see here is going to be incredible. When I say the redemption of Zion, there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. Yeah, clear up to and including the lost ten tribes returning to this land, 
to the United States, right, to coming back and setting up the New Jerusalem, the city of New Jerusalem, the temple, and having Christ touch down and and accept that that temple and the city and having him crowned as the king. I mean, it's it's incredible. It gets you excited. In order for us to get there, we've got to pass through the refiner's fire. We've got to raise our shields high. I'm going to continue on here with a couple of other things. Probably going back to President Nelson's advice, teach of faith to know that obedience to the commandments of God will provide physical and spiritual protection. Let me say that one more time, because that's important. This is some balm of Gilead stuff here that, that we're applying here, brothers and sisters. Teach of faith to know that obedience to the commandments of God will provide physical and spiritual protection. And remember, God's holy angels are ever on call to help us. Your heartfelt pleadings are important to Him. If we pray with an eternal perspective, we need not wonder if our most tearful and heartfelt pleadings are heard. Initially, it takes faith to tithe, he explained. Talking about tithing, then the tithe payer develops more faith to the point that tithing becomes a precious privilege. Okay, he was he's basically I forgot to put in the context here, but he's basically saying that in order to develop enduring faith and enduring commitment to being a full tithe payer is essential, right? He posed the question why do church members need such resilient faith? Because difficult days are ahead. Rarely is the future rarely in the future will it be easy or popular to be a faithful latter day saint. Each of us will be tested. Here's the promise. Your rewards come not only hereafter. Many blessings will be yours in this life amongst among your your children and grandchildren. I'm going to read you a scripture here from Moroni chapter 10, verse 22. And if ye have no hope, ye must, ye must needs be in despair, and despair cometh because of iniquity. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Okay, Doctrine and Covenants. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm painting a picture for you here, guys. DNC 2717. Taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Okay. Yeah, it's a scary time, guys. It is. Temporally. Just strictly temporally speaking, we have some interesting stuff ahead, some very interesting challenges. 
I go back to the things that we have talked about and that I have read to you uh, so far, and I would say, is there not reason to rejoice? Is there not reason to have faith? You know, it's, it's as I'm reading this stuff and as I am communicating it to you, there, there's nothing of me by myself that is anything special or has any power to convince anybody of anything. The Holy Ghost is what's going to do that. And it's cool because as I read this stuff to you, this stuff that I've prepared, this material, the Holy Ghost is speaking peace to me. I can feel that. I can feel that 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 energy that kind of comes into your body. And I'm feeling the hope. I'm feeling the faith, you know. And like like I say, this is you know, this is very much for me as well. This is probably more of a benefit to me than it is to you guys, you know. But I want to share in this in this feeling I want to share in this information because it's it's going to be okay. Regardless of what happens temporally, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. Everything is going to be okay. We're going to be hammered. We're going to be worked on. We're going to be refined in the refiner's fire. But if we do that, if we allow the Lord, if, if we let God prevail, as President Nelson would say, right? Which is, a, you know, another meaning for the name of Israel, let God prevail. If we allow God to prevail in our hearts, and if we, if we give our strict adherence to his mouthpiece, to his gospel, to his commandments. He will be there for us. And we will not walk alone in these crazy times that we are in. We have promises, apostolic and prophetic promises, given by his foundation who, like I say before, have been handpicked by the great Lord Jehovah to be in the positions that they are in at this time for us. We have the, those promises that have been given through them by Christ. The Lord Jehovah Okay, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Father, okay, even God the Father, they do not lie and they are, they are men of their word. We have promises here given to us and all we have to do is raise our shields high. Put on the full armor of God and raise our shields high. Form that shield wall. And as those spears, as those arrows are launched at us, though it's scary, 
I think anybody in that position would agree. If we could pull a Roman legionnaire out, you know, from from paradise and prison, whoever, right? Spirits that, from the spirit world. If we could pull them out and say, what was that like? You'd probably say, it was pretty scary. There was, yeah, it was scary. However, there's a reason why that tactic works. And while these things that would normally mortally wound and, and kill and destroy, while they're being hurled at us, we can, we can have courage, we can have faith, because we are doing our part. We have taken on us the armor of God. We have raised the shield of faith high. And we can expect the Lord to step in as we are doing battle. Even if that battle is just us having to take it for a minute. Where we say, okay, you're going to have to just take a beating for a minute. And you're going to have to raise those shields high and just take it for a minute. And wait for the Lord to send back up. Those are the people that the Lord is going to choose from to redeem Zion. Those are the people that will be worthy, that will be ready, that will have the right stuff to be used in the kingdom. Those are the people that will be ready to receive the Savior. Like I say, brothers and sisters, I hope that I have not instilled despair in you, but that I have instilled hope. That I have instilled a reason to rejoice during these crazy times that we have never faced before. If we witness live what Nephi saw in vision, then even if some of us fall, if an arrow makes it through a weak point in the armor or a small little place in our shield wall, if, if some of us go down, but we hold that shield wall strong, it will not be long before we see those people again. It won't. We're, we're in those times. I love you guys. I love the gospel. I'm grateful for the faith promoting words of our Captain Moroni, of our watchmen who are seeing things that we cannot see. I ask the Lord to bless you guys as you endure the refiner's fire. And I ask that he be with you and your families and help you to hold your shields high as you form shield walls with one another, with your families. 
I do so in the name of Jesus the Christ, the great Redeemer, the Holy Messiah. Amen.